As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams get a throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast, the 186th edition of the show and the second straight edition that will be on video for you guys as we premiere uh, the or we preview, I should say, the defensive side of the football and uh, a lot of excitement. It's amazing that we're actually saying that, but there is excitement about this Tar Heel defense as we come here into 2020. Um, you know, look, first two screens. Scrimmages, at least from what we've seen, haven't heard a lot from the second scrimmage. But that first scrimmage, weird, the defense looked better than the offense. That's something that we haven't heard at Carolina since the Butch Davis era. Um, I know last year, you know, there were a lot of steps in the right direction. I think the biggest question, and this is what we'll start out for uh, for you, is what is that next step, do you think, for this Tar Heel defense in 2020? <sighs> It's really hard to say uh, because they took so many steps last year. They still got to get better, though, at stopping the run, right? Like, there was just too many times last year where when teams were committed to running the football, they could still have their way with us more often than not. Not as bad as it was under Larry Fedora when those teams were giving up seven yards a carry at some point, but there were still times where they just had the inability to stop the run. And it wasn't against Clemson it, or even South Carolina teams that had good running backs. It was some of the games in the ACC where they just couldn't they – couldn't negate those three to four yard runs that should have been one or two yard plays because they didn't make tackles in the backfield. So I think that's where it starts for me is we've got to be better at finishing plays early. How many times last year were they in the backfield but they didn't make the initial play? The guy still got five or six yards. Right. That changes a drive. And so I thought Jay Bateman did a good job last year getting them in position to make plays. They just didn't finish them as early. But towards the end of the year, you look at that three game stretch where they won the final three games. That was the kind of Jay Bateman defense we we expect to see moving forward in Chapel Hill. Well, look, last year allowed 143.8 
yards per game on the ground. That is the lowest total that they've allowed in the season since 2012. Larry right. Fedora's first year on campus. So it was a huge step in the right direction. I agree with you, especially early on in the season. There were some teams that were still able to run the football very successfully against Carolina. But I think as we saw the year go along, you saw more consistent tackling from guys like Chad Surratt. You saw Jeremiah Gimmel, who uh, you know was at times early in the season a little bit hit and miss, become really consistent for him. And now, you know, as we talk about that linebacking core, we'll talk about it a little more in depth later on. The depth behind those two guys also looking very promising. Now, the big thing for Carolina is going to be up front, and that's where it started with that run defense a year ago. You had one of the best, uh, actually graded out as the best interior run defender, according to Pro Football Focus, a year ago. Aaron Crawford, he is gone. Carolina now has to find his replacement in the middle. The belief is that it will be Jaleel Taylor, but another thing that we've heard a lot of so far here in the offseason, and something that we're probably going to see a lot of as we go throughout the regular season, is that Carolina is looking to move a lot of different guys around on the defensive line. Raymond Voasic now above 300 pounds. Tamari Fox has been rotating in at nose tackle as well all along the defensive line. All three positions so far is what Mac Brown has said he's been playing so far in the fall. So I think for Carolina, while they might have one, you know, they want to find that one name to take over in the middle, Jaleel Taylor, Clyde Pender, whoever. I feel like you're going to see a lot of rotation, and this is going to be a little bit of a different defensive line, more of what Jay Bateman wants with positionless football up front than what we saw a year ago. I think you said the best thing, the positionless football, the position flexibility might be the, uh, uh, an even better term to say, where you have all you have right. guys that can play all three spots among the front. You mentioned you're losing Aaron Crawford, and that's a big loss. Best interior run defender in the country last year. But Josh losing Jason Strobridge, who Mac Brown said early and often last year, he will be better in the NFL than he was here, but he's still a big loss for Carolina and for Jay Bateman. Um, Raymond Velasic had the great finish to the season, really saw him kind of shine and mop up duty, and then he had some big plays in that win over NC State. And that's what we're kind of expecting to see from him is him be more consistent. Um, and then you got to look on the edge where you said Tamari Fox, but for me, I think Simone Fox has got to be a guy that takes a step forward. He had the big mm. game against Miami, but then from the rest of the season was inconsistent. We need him to right. – you can't you can't expect three sacks a game. I'm not asking that. But he was a guy that lived in the backfield that didn't make those plays I that, was just talking about. That'd be amazing. About. Right, yeah. You know, that's that's a guy that has you know has the talent, has the size to, to be a force in this conference to make big-time plays. We need him to be that kind of player this year. I, I mean, I think, you know, he's shown a lot of flashes, like you said. Consistency is the, is the big thing for Timon, and, and it stinks because we were talking about the same thing a year ago. Now, last year, I think he was more consistent than he had been any year of his career. This year, I mean, we've heard it again from, from Mac Brown in the offseason. I mean, the focus has really been on Voasic and, and his brother Tamari because right. I think that they were a little further behind than Timon was. But we've heard that Timon has stepped it up. We've heard that he's become a leader for this team. And I think, you know, the consistency is the big thing. I'd like to see him get to that 10-sack mark. Now, again, that's not something that we should be saying, okay, we need at least one guy year in and year out to get to that mark because it's been how long since we've seen a guy get to that mark. I believe... This is just going, I don't have the stat in front of me. If I had to guess, I would say it's Kareem Martin was the last guy that had double-digit sacks. That sounds about right. For this team. That, I mean, that's how long it's been. So you want to see him get to that point. But the other thing is, is that if he doesn't get to that point, we're going to see a lot of rotation on this team this year. Another thing that was talked about, you know, he plays that rush end position. Not only has he played great, 
Tyrone Hopper has apparently looked really good. He's going to earn a role. He will play at least a decent amount of reps this season, which is great considering that, you know, when we saw him come out of high school, we thought, okay, this guy has the potential to be something. He's quick off the edge. He put on the weight. So we were figuring, okay, this guy could be a force off the edge for Carolina. I think they tried to force him into a 4-3 defensive end role that frankly just didn't fit him. He was a linebacker out of high school. I agree with that. This position, the rush end fits him very well, where speed is valued a little bit more. He doesn't have to be overly physical, but he's definitely gotten more physical in his time on campus, and now he's finally fully healthy. Then you talk about Chris Collins. Remember, he had a really good freshman year. Now, granted, that was under Larry Fedora's tenure. Uh, you you kind of had to you know, look at every guy. I mean, I, that might have been a product of everybody else was so bad around him that yeah, we thought yeah. he looked that good. But I thought he had some very encouraging which showed some very encouraging stuff. Then last year ends up redshirting to sort of add a little more weight, learn the defense a little bit. Now he's back in the fold as well. And we've even heard that Chad Surratt could play some rush end because they love his pass rushing ability so much that they feel like he'll be utilized better off the edge than having to go through the middle as an inside linebacker and pick through guards and offensive tackles with better leverage. So... I, you know, that's the thing is that, you know, for Timon Fox, I think you've got to kind of temper your expectations a little bit. The thing is, is that we want to see him consistently in on plays when he's on the field. There will be rotation, but when he's out there, we need to see him step up and be the leader and really help on containing that edge and not letting rushers get to the outside. That was still a problem at times last year. The interior, I thought, was a lot better. I thought, you know, with, with Crawford in the middle and then your two middle linebackers in Surratt and Gemmel, they slowed the run down the middle a lot easier than they have in, in years past. But on the edges, there was still room to run. One thing times. I took away from your, your your statement there, Carolina's developing depth across the defense of the defensive front. A lot quicker than I think we thought yeah. they would as and, well. And that was something when Matt got hired back in December of 2019, he talked about there's just there's no depth here. Right. And and any year you need you need depth to win football games, but especially this year because we just you don't know what's going to happen. We we just we just don't know. But if you don't have depth, it's going to make it hard to get where you want to get. And we think this team can't compete to make it to Charlotte and play for the ACC championship. You've got to be able to have depth among your your defensive line to have that. And while they're doing it in maybe some unique ways and ways we never thought, it's nice to see that they're at least trying to you know what seeing what right. what what, what right, works and right. what doesn't. And if Chad Surratt doesn't work there, then you'll just put him back where he's going to go make all the plays. But you know. I'm encouraged by that because Carolina's going to need to be much better defensively if they, they want to be 8-2, and 9-1 and one and playing in Charlotte as opposed to being 7-6. and six. Well, I mean, and then, you know, you talk about the interior. I mean, do you think that there is maybe any other guys that we're probably looking at outside of Voasik and Jaleel Taylor as the leaders? I think Tamari Fox has shown a lot. I thought he would be in a battle for that spot. I right. thought there was some potential that some of the incoming freshmen, uh, some of the guys that are holdovers from a year ago, maybe a, a, a veteran in Zach Gill could potentially factor in there. But man, he has had a really good fall from everything that we're hearing and taking a stranglehold of that spot on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably stick with Velocic and Tamari Fox being your guys on the interior. Um, I, I had Velocic being a breakout guy for this team on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the football. I and mean, it's obvious because it's a, a, it's a necessity. He needs to be a big-time player for us, but also just think, 
think you saw that small sample size last year and you left encouraged, and now he's put on more weight. He, he's more comfortable. I think he's going to be a natural playmaker for Jay Bateman up front. The wild card that I will throw out there, now he's not with the team here in the fall because of an injury, but if they get Kedrick Bingley-Jones back, this staff was raving about him in, in the winter. He had added the weight necessary. He can play any of those three spots like a lot of the other guys that we've heard. So right. keep an eye on him if he's able to get back out there and potentially have a chance uh, to make an impact this season. Now, when we talk about Chaz Surratt potentially playing a little bit of that rush end spot, well, that's part of because the linebacking core has definitely gotten better. But let's first start with Chaz Surratt himself. What a phenomenal year he had a year ago. I mean, this guy, there is a reason why he is considered a first-team All-American by some uh, certain preseason magazines. Right, some magazines, yeah. Uh, the AP lists him as a second-team All-American. And again, 115 total tackles. He had 13, or excuse me, 15 tackles for loss and six-and-a-half sacks a year ago. Not to mention, of course, the one interception that we will always remember against Duke and had two pass deflections, showed some ability to get out and cover. This guy can do it all. And I think it just has us asking the question, why in the hell was he not playing linebacker before last year? Because I'm still stunned by just the transition. To think that, remember, the, the last time before last week that we had done a video show, we were on air talking about how we could be in trouble with Chaz Surratt having to start. Now, we're talking about him potentially being the best NFL prospect on this team. I don't even think it's a question outside of, of course, Sam Howell. Right. That was the most unexpected thing of last season. That was more unexpected or more surprising than what Sam Howell did as a true freshman at the quarterback position. We went in that South Carolina game. We were previewing right. the we, game. We thought that was a possibility for Sam because of everything right. that we'd seen. There, we, no one on planet Earth had that for Chaz Surratt. Nobody saw yeah. that coming. We were in the stands, and I just saw the guy that is a football player. And that's, that's the ultimate compliment. He can just play, he can play the game. We said it to each other during the first quarter. He missed a couple of tackles, but the rest of the team was, was they, they were really struggling out of the game. Right. They couldn't tackle in open space. I mean, South Carolina was able to drive down the field, but we said it to each other at the end of the first quarter. He, right now, he might be our best defensive player on the field. He, he was everywhere, and that was, a I guess, a preview of what was supposed to come over the next 12 to 13 games where he became a star, a force to be reckoned with within the, uh, the, the ACC. Remember the game against Clemson? He got a sack on Trevor That Lawrence. was his breakout game. I yeah. thought he was fantastic um, in you that know, game. And so, I mean, just it was so much fun watching him play. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a guy that, you know, did what he needed to do to transition from playing quarterback to playing linebacker. I can tell you why he went playing linebacker because Larry Fedora wasn't smart enough to move him to that side mm-hmm. of the ball. Even though he played both sides of the ball in high school, it never thought, it never entered his mind. He's a hell of a player, and he's going to be a leader of the defense, and it's just, man. I mean, we, we entered last year thinking Jeremiah Gimmel was going to be the guy that was going to really break out and take over. And he did. You I mean, know, he, he had a really good year. He had a good year. year. year right, But right. Chas right overshined him because yeah. he was everywhere. Well, let's talk about Jeremiah. I mean, look, he had a fantastic year a year ago as well. Really kind of forced into that role because of the lack of depth there. Um, you know, there were some things that we really liked about his game. But, man, he really showed out last year. A volume tackler in the middle. Exactly what we thought really was, I, I mean, just a, a force to be reckoned with at 
times in the middle of that Toriel defense right alongside of Chas Surratt. Now, I think the biggest thing for him, he still has to get a little bit better in pass coverage. That was the one area where he struggled in the middle of the field. But other than that, this is a guy that if you're going to take another step forward when it comes to slowing down the run, you feel like this is another guy that can help you. And he, I mean, last year, 84 total tackles, seven and a half for a loss, and two and a half sacks. I just think with every all the other guys that were standing out, he kind of gets forgotten about a little bit especially because of Chad Surratt, as you mentioned. But, man, what a fantastic year for Jeremiah Gimmel. Yeah, man, I, I saw it might have been our, our good friend Jacob Turner putting some stuff out about him the other day and just about, like, his journey and all that and just how much he's progressed. And last year, you know, like you said, 84 tackles, 42 solo, 42 assists, and seven and a half tackles for loss. You can't argue with those numbers. That's, that's, that's very good production at the college level. Mm-hmm. But I do agree, if Carolina's going to be better stopping the run, he's going to be a part of that. Right. And, and he needs to be. Um, if Carolina's going to get that number, really, you know, 143 ain't bad, but I guess you want to be about 120. You'd feel a little bit better if you could hold teams to about 120 a game. And so if he can be a big part of that, man – you know, it's just you're going to feel so much better because you know you're good on the back end. The questions that you have right. are, on your, are in the front seven. They're not. They're not. A, it's mainly more depth, more than anything. But you want to shear up your front seven in the run game. If he takes another step forward and progresses, Carolina can answer some of those questions. I'll tell you that linebacking core is nothing to uh, to smirk at. I mean, you they're look not. at the group that's there now. I mean, we talked about Surratt and Gimmel in depth, and then you got the guys behind him. Uh, Eugene Asante has shined so mm-hmm. far in fall camp. Right now, he looks like he's a guy that's going to play because, well, frankly, they're not going to be able to keep him yeah, off the field. That's, that's a great problem to have, too. Phenomenal sideline-to-sideline side linebacker. I remember watching his film when we landed him, and I said, this guy is going to be hard to keep off the field. I thought it would be last year. He wasn't able to settle in as quickly as I thought, which, I, you know, again, makes sense because he was a, he was a fall enrollee. He right. didn't come in early. But I think this year is going to be his big year. I mean, he, I, you know, he can close so quickly on people. He's going to help you in the run game. I think he's probably going to be maybe a potentially a little bit better in coverage than Gimmel as well. So I think he'll rotate in as well. And then you have a guy that we're probably going to see because he can play sort of that hybrid linebacker safety in Kadri Jackson. We saw him a little bit last year as well. Him and Asante really did great, uh, you know, a great job in mop-up duty against Mercer, games against NC State and Temple as well at the end of the season. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, the depth of this linebacking core, and then you add in, you know, a guy like Ethan West in the middle, who was rated as a four-star for most of his recruiting process before dropping just down to a three-star. Typical inside linebacker, really fits what Carolina is going to want to do. We'll probably have to put on some weight, but This is a unit that coming into last year, we were unbelievably concerned about, especially because we had to convert a quarterback over to linebacker to play it. Now you feel like this is probably ranking inside of the top three or four units in terms of the depth that you have from just how well they've built themselves here over the offseason and here early in fall. I'm going to go on a limb here. This position group is turning back to what it was whenever we were growing up with Carolina football, and we had Bruce Mm. Carter and Kwan start event, and those guys that we knew we were always going to have good linebacker play. They're on their way back to that right now, in my opinion. I'm very excited to right. see what Kadri, or Kadri Jackson is going to bring to the table. You mentioned he's the kind of hybrid guy that can play the linebacker and in, yep. in the safety role. That's Jay Bateman's dream. I mean, that's, that's the kind of guy he loves to have exactly. uh, you know, on the field for him. So I'm excited for him. Ethan West, like you said, he's a prototypical inside linebacker, um, you know, talented player. He's going to 
maybe not play, but he'll be a big part of the depth in, in this defense going forward. And that's the thing. We talked about the defensive line and now with the, the linebacker court. They're developing the depth they need at that position. Yeah, and keep in mind, Ra-Ra Dilworth and Power Eccles only one year away, yeah. man. And a lot of talent coming in. There's going to be a lot of Ra-Ra watching him on the field. So, uh, I, you know, I, I, had, I had to make that one. Holy. Okay. That was good. See, this is why I'm the one that's allowed to make the jokes. That you was can't. funny. No. That was, that was a play on words. So I guess we're going to have to make this into a poll, right? We'll have to find how long, how long in. About the 20-minute mark here. And we'll ask the, the listeners if they think that that was funny. I thought it was funny. I think you're going to end up having to go back to not being on video. That may may be impossible. They might kick you off. But, uh, no, we head to the defensive backs, and uh, you talked about it. Man, this group is as deep as just about any on the team. I think now, you know, we talked. I said it last week, I think the wide receivers are now a little bit deeper than them because of the guys that stepped out, and we'll talk about them first. Uh, you got senior safety, also was potentially going to play some nickelback last year. DJ Ford, he's going to sit out for this year. Uh, same thing with junior Bryce Watts. That means two consecutive years from him sitting out after having to sit out a year ago due to the transfer from Virginia Tech. And then you also lose sophomore Javon Terry, who played a little bit of corner and safety for you. Good, versatile guy. Was a depth piece, but was also a very key part of your special teams unit. So those three guys are gone now for Carolina. I think it's it's definitely, you know, significant. Ford, you know, has some experience, could have helped you at the nickelback spot where now you're definitely a little thinner with both him and Watts sitting out. But I still think that overall the secondary is still in good shape. What do you think about those losses, though? Uh, you know, they, they hurt on the surface, but I think Carolina is very well equipped to handle losing them this year because there is so much, there's so much, there's depth. Right. And then there's you got you mix that with some experience and then you just got raw talent. And you, you know, Dre Bly last year really proved that he can coach at this college level. He's only going to, you know, evolve as a coach and get those guys playing with more confidence, more swagger and making plays, but I I'm not worried about the back the back four at all. Like it, I'm not worried that back they're not, five. You know, it's going to be back five, back really five, a lot. you know, whatever. I just I think they'll be able to hold their own and make their plays. No matter who it is is on there. There's going to be a lot of rotation at the cornerback spot, but I think they'll, whoever's in there, you're going to feel confident in playing in because Greg Ross isn't here anymore. So you know, you know that that makes you feel a little bit better when you wow. put your head down at night. I had to get that in there, oh. but. Um, yeah, Come really, on, man. You don't really to excited Greg. to see to see this back the back five. You ain't got to do Greg like that, man. Greg was just playing a little above his head here at Carolina. He, he wasn't, was wasn't a man corner. I, the thing that I never really got about Greg Ross, and I, I've said this to you, but I haven't really said this a lot on the podcast. He was a safety when he came to Carolina as a recruit. I just I don't understand where the move to corner made sense. I I thought he picked it up as he went along and became a serviceable corner, but you could tell at times that he was just overmatched. He he didn't have the the coverage background to know how to handle himself, especially when we started going to one-on-one coverage yeah. last year. Once you got deeper into that secondary last year, you could just tell that some of the guys just were not used to playing man coverage like that every single snap and and it really started to show but this year I mean look everybody is healthy at least as of right now 
And you feel very confident. Yeah, you feel very confident about the group that's coming back. You got senior Patrice Rene back after tearing his ACL. I mean, look, 2018, he was one of the top cover corners in the ACC. There's just no way around it. The stats show you that he was really that good. And even early on last year, very encouraging, and he's looked good in fall camp. Then you have Storm Duck, who, you know, look, we thought, okay, we saw him in the in the spring game. He had the interception. We're thinking, okay, it's a spring game. Let's let's relax here. Remember, first game that he started, he gets forced into the starting lineup against Clemson and looked as good as you could hope a true freshman would look in that situation against the defending national champs, against a talented wide receiver in T. Higgins. And, I mean, now he is a guy that is going to have to start. I think out of all the guys, he's the guy that's a lock to start. And that doesn't even include the former Clemson transfer, Kyler McMichael, who, you know, they were raving about as a practice guy last year. Now they're raving about him even more here in the preseason. He apparently looks fantastic. I think right now you're looking at a rotation of three on that outside between those three. The reps will probably be split evenly between the three of them, and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Storm Duck, and I'm going to try to refrain from making some kind of, you know, dumb joke. If you about do, it. you're off the show. But you're, you're uh, done. I will replace. I will do the rest of this preview by myself. That's fine. That so much fun watching him play last year. Yes. Oh, and for sure. You never once thought that he didn't belong on the field as a as a true freshman at the college level. He he made plays every chance that you you asked him. I need you to make a play, and he he made the play. And I, I'm with you. I think he's a guaranteed starter. I think he's going to be a premier cornerback, not in the ACC, in all of college football, but by the time it's all said and done, that's how much confidence I have in him. You mentioned Patrice Renee coming back from injury. He's going to, you know, provide the leadership skills that you need in the, in the secondary. He's emotional. He's a senior. He loves playing for Mac Brown. He only played two games for him. And then you had mentioned the um, the transfer from Clemson, Connor McMichael. A lot of talent. The, you saw it last year. Now you're going to see it again. You know, this – this is why you feel so good because you have so many options. So even if you suffer an injury, God forbid, you're still you're still feeling okay. You're not you're not going to feel bad if, if one guy gets hurt. And last year that happened, and you're still able to hold your own. It doesn't even talk about guys like Tony Grimes who's coming in, right. extremely talented true freshman that you know has looked good, but again looks you know younger than I mean most of the guys in camp, and that makes sense. I mean he's enrolling early from high school. This guy's yeah. supposed to be a senior in high school, and he's at Carolina right now trying to compete to for. Rest at, at starting corner. Um, you got to admire that, too. Oh, this guy, for sure. This guy gave up his senior season and may not even get, get snaps, but he's got that kind of competitiveness. He'll get snapped. Yeah, He'll okay, be out but, there. Uh, how many snaps are we talking there, five to ten? Or are we talking yeah, it's, I, 15 I think it'll to be, 20? I think it'll be a little, probably around that range. He, I mean, there were people that thought when he came in, okay, he's going to start. That's not going to happen. That, I'm, that I'm here been, to tell you. That would have been as shocking as you and I getting girlfriends. Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was that. That just showed the awkwardness right there. Uh, yeah. No. I. I think he's he's got he's a rotational guy, um, but he'll get his chances. Uh-huh. And again, you are going to see guys that are going to have moments where they're going to get banged up. That's our secondary has been that way for years. It's football. I, I think it's going to end up being like that again this year. Um, and even if not, he's got to prepare as if he is going to eventually have to take Play. reps out yep. there. Mm-hmm. Um, also could end up playing at nickel. We don't really know because the depth at nickel is not nearly as strong as the depth at 
cornerback. But, um, you know, did you, uh, you got DeAndre Holland still on the outside as well. He got a, some experience last year. Is apparently, you know, taking another step forward this year. And then, I mean, you're even talking about guys as you go deeper Obi Egbuna, who really didn't play a whole lot last year, uh-huh. but still another talented guy that they can throw out there. That's where you're at corner-wise with your depth. Now you go inside to the nickel position. You got, you know, Trey Morrison. I I commend Mac Brown and his staff for moving him back in there. I know they had to move him outside last year because they really needed him out there, especially once all the injuries set in. He is a perfect fit for that nickel position. He was so good there as a true freshman. Now that they're moving him back there, I think he's only going to thrive in that spot. I mean, he's apparently been arguably the best player in all of camp. I mean, people have said he looks uh, as good as any defensive back that they've seen. I mean, Dre Bly is raving about him. Sam Howell said he's the best defensive player that he's had to play against so far. That's definitely something uh, I think that might be definitely, you know, a, a little bit of uh, homerism there yeah. for our, from our quarterback. But at the same time, I mean, Mac Brown says he is so good and he's, he's picking up things so quickly that they have moved him throughout the defense, all five secondary positions so far throughout this defense. And I think he's a great leader there. And Nickel, what do you think about his move back to Nickel? I think that was a, a no-brainer decision. I thought that made that made sense. You know, last year he had to go outside because you just didn't really have a choice. But now you had a reason to put him back inside. And you're going to see him make the plays we saw him make as a true freshman. You raved about him all year long during that dreadful 2-9 and nine season. He was the bright spot of the defense. And I think he's going to be a guy this year that you will he will make the big plays you need him to make you know when when the time comes because he's just a natural playmaker in the in the slot playing at that nickel position and i you know we were talking in pre-production there's really no one even that you would even want to trade him out for to put there that's who you want at your nickel spot bar none yeah you know, you yeah know what I'm i mean i in yeah there's there's nothing there's no one else on this roster, I think, that fits that spot yeah. better. And now, especially not because, I mean, you lose Watts, you lose DJ Ford. I would say the guy that's probably the favorite there, but again, we don't really know where he's going to play in this defense because he missed all of last year due to an ACL injury in the spring, is Bryson Richardson. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw him there in the nickel spot um, You know, in back in 2018. But we also saw him last year in the spring game before he got injured. He was playing a little bit of safety, played safety at the high school level as well. I think he probably will end up having to play that nickel spot. But again, that's where other guys such as Tony Grimes, DeAndre Hollins was you know, uh, going for reps there uh, during last fall as well. And then, uh, you know, you even talk about, you know, Egbuna, who we talked a little bit about. I mean, there's other guys that are going to be trying to factor in there. I think that's the that's the main thing at that position. If Carolina wants to use the nickel a lot, Trey Morrison has to stay healthy or else you kind of worry a little bit about the guys behind him. Yeah. Um, then you move to the safety spot. I think Miles Wolfolk is a pretty safe bet to start back there. Mm-hmm. I thought he looked fantastic the first four games of last season. It wasn't his fault that he got banged up in that game against App State and just wasn't able to return. Um, but, I mean, look, he was your biggest playmaker the first four games, of the, or first three games of the yeah. season, I should say. Um, Single-handedly saved your ass against South Carolina. Yeah, two interceptions late in that game. Uh, and and was also you know showing that he has uh, become an improved tackler is a guy that I think makes a lot of sense for Carolina at the strong safety position and honestly heading into this year because of the uncertainty at cornerback is probably the leader of your entire secondary. 
Yeah, yeah. No, you kind of you kind of caught me off guard with the uncertainty of the cornerback position. Um, well, I'm saying uncertainty of exactly who's going to yeah, start. Okay. If, if you got, we you just know, got you, done raving about this group. Well, you said uncertainty. No, so. I'm saying the uncertainty. Like, so I mean, Patrice Rene is probably seen as a leader. leader. That's what I. But thought. at the same time, he is. There's, you know, times from what we've been talking about where he might not be on the field. Mm-hmm. We are. I mean, I don't see a scenario right now. Maybe there is some depth back there. I don't think that Miles Wolfolk's a guy that's going to come off the field much. Yeah, he, he's you, going. He's you your guy back there yeah, at safety, you know, especially you, with Miles Dorn gone. Yeah. You need him to be your guy back there. Yeah, losing Miles Dorn, I know for you was an emotional hurt because the man crush on him was excessive. But Wolfolk, like you said, before he got injured last year, was I really that? Big yes, of a we fan argued of about Miles how Dorn? good of a player he was all the time, and you told me you just. I mean, I thought you fell in love with the guy. I mean, I think he was a big part of the team, especially late last year. I mean, he had to, he had to take on so many roles late last year due to the injuries, but I don't know about that. I mean, I, I, I remember a different conversation. See, the different th- see the thing that I think a lot of people are going to want to do is they're going to want to say, well, Wolfolk will pick up right where Miles Dorn left off. They're different, they're yeah. different players. Mm-hmm. Wolfolk is more of an in-the-box type guy. That really wasn't what Miles Dorn thrived best at. And I think, you know, Wolfolk is a little bit of a better coverage guy. Than Absolutely, Dorn yes. was actually no. I, re- I I got those reversed. Dorn is a better in the box guy, yeah. and Wolfolk's I, the better. I was going to let you guy. fix that before I called yeah, you I, out. Yeah, I I think you know Wolfolk, you know, still a, a solid tackler, but is more of a guy that you're hoping can be your guy on the back end and, and become that safety, sort of like what Trey Boston was towards the end of his Could career. Could cover ground and make plays in the air once they made that move, because you are hoping that. Your other guys, whoever emerges from that group, can end up being that guy that's in the box. Now, the thing is, is that unfortunately, the other group of guys, they play similar to him, which we'll talk about here in just a second. But, I mean, I think Miles Dorn, you know, he, you want him if he can, to turn into that do-it-all guy like like uh, like Dorn was. Yeah, I mean, Wolf, like you said, that's a guy that's going to be on the field as many snaps as possible, no questions asked. You're not going to have him off the field unless he's hurt or, or tired. Right. Um, and because last year, you know, he was making the plays in the secondary you needed him to make to help your team win. You know, we were moving to the guys that you were talking about. I was really encouraged what I saw from Don Chapman a year ago. I liked, yeah, I thought Don was. Uh, started was fantastic. that game against Georgia Tech, and I thought he played phenomenal and, you know, earned his spot on the field when he, when he got it. Yep. But you're going to need more because you're losing Miles Dorn, who was a guy that was, like you said, better in the box, was a more better and run support, sure tackler kind of thing. You're going to need to find a way to, to at least get that production matched, if not surpassed. Well, the other thing is, is that you talk about a great, you know, a great game from uh, Don Chapman in that game against Georgia Tech. Of course, you know, kind of went missing there. He did towards the middle of the year, but showed back up late in the season. Had the huge interception that really kind of changed everything in that game against NC State. But at the same time, then there's Cameron Kelly, mm-hmm. who started the game against Clemson. Looked fantastic in that one, too. Now, Cameron, this is another guy that he was, you know, last offseason was getting some looks at Nickelback, could potentially get some looks there as a depth guy again this year. But I don't think we can count him out to potentially start at safety this year for Carolina. I think it's probably right now him and Don Chapman that are battling for that position. Yeah. I think those are probably your best two options there. I just don't think there's a whole lot of separation there because I think it, both guys showed us some really good stuff in the limited snaps that they took a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. Um, Cameron Kelly came over you know, with from Auburn, a lot of talent. You know, mm-hmm. So he's naturally a gifted player. And... 
um, was able to show. He got he got hurt last year, right? Am I remember that correctly? Towards ACL yeah. in the game against Clemson when he went to make the tackle. Yeah, on, that's. Uh, I think that happened right in front of us. Yeah, uh, on, yeah. Tr- went to make the tackle on Trevor Lawrence right in front of us, uh, and just didn't get out. We knew it right then, too. Yeah, because yeah. And at the same time, that was when the injuries were starting to set in, and we're like, here, yeah, here you, we you, go. You couldn't, at that point, you almost you couldn't afford them, and they just they kept yep. coming from there. Yep. But I, I do think it'll be, they'll they'll battle it out, and they'll probably they'll probably share snaps until one or the other produces better on the field in game, and then you can right. just... And that's a position where you can rotate guys mm-hmm. relatively smoothly. It's not like quarterback where, you know, you gotta have you know, guys staying in a rhythm. It'll keep both guys a lot fresher. Yeah. That can help you late in games as well. Um, and then the other thing is, is that, yeah, while we're talking about those guys, there are some guys behind them lurking that want that job and are competing well for that job, including headlined by true freshman Jaquarius Conley. We've heard he's been all over the field. He was a guy that it, at the high school level, the reason he was a four-star was because of his ability to go up and get the football, create turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's something that Carolina's Needs, looking for. They need that. I think that, you know, because of the experience in the system, the other two guys are probably a little ahead of him, but I wouldn't be shocked if him, maybe even Cameron Roseman Sinclair, if they think that, you know, Miles Wolfolk maybe isn't as far along as an in-the-box guy as they need him to be, maybe Roseman Sinclair can come in there because that's what he did at Myers Park. I mean, you know, I look at him, I'm one of the only guys that probably thinks this. If he puts on enough weight, he's a good enough in-the-box guy that you could play him as a hybrid safety linebacker. So I think those are two names that you could possibly have to keep an eye on. And another guy, this guy's not talked about a lot, but he has started to show up on some of these talks that Mac Brown has been having with the media. We forgot about him. He was a big part of last year's recruiting class as a three-star. Don't sleep on Giovanni Biggers. He really, I, I think last year, people kind of forgot about him because you saw Cameron Kelly, you saw uh, John Chapman, both true freshmen, get on the field. We didn't see him get on the field, but don't be sure shocked I wouldn't say I'm not going to say he's going to start but I think he's definitely going to have a bigger Bigger. role I was going to make it there you go there we go and it's easy to see why you've looked at me only had um four tackles one solo three assisted but big special teams guy though that's a key for him he was a big part of the special that's where he got the four tackles Um, a year ago so I just I love being here and encouraged when we have incoming talent that could push these. When guys. we're just listing names off, like you know, the depth and talent, you know right. that that just makes me happy because we didn't have the underlayer for door. How many times did we have incoming talent that we were like, man, they're gonna they're gonna press right. they're gonna press starters for playing time? You never he would he would talk about it, but you want to have competitive depth. He just talked about it. Matt it, Brown and this staff has been about it. They've they've done it. There's there's competitive depth on this roster from top to bottom. Well, I mean, it got outside to the of quarterback point, position. It it got to the point late in the Fedora era that if you had a guy go down to injury, you were pretty much done. You're putting walk-ons on. I mean, you had guys that... And again, look, you know, with the walk-on situation... And it worked for Jeff Schottmer and Matt Collins, but... uh, Cole Holcomb. Cole Come Holcomb. on, man. I went, Cole, I went Cole's done. A, Cole's a standout at, at, in Washington right now. I mean, that's the thing. It worked with certain guys, but they tried They they tried to make it work so many times that there were times you just got burnt. And eventually, you know, the talent just ran out. I think that was one of the other really big things. And one of the things that we still don't know a lot about Mac Brown, we're going to have to learn, but we're feeling encouraged about, is when they would get the talent in, they wouldn't develop it the I have right no- way. 
no, I'm not concerned about, about it either. Because I think now, if, if, if they ain't developing the talent, he'll fire him. Well, the, and see, the other thing is, is that the national pundits talked about that at Texas. I think it's different because of the level of expectation at Texas. But also, I think the talent he had at Texas from 2010 before he left was the same talent he had from 2005 to 2010. I also don't think the staffs at the end at Texas were nearly as good as the staff that no, he has No, because they all became head now. coaches. Right. He, he was scrambling to try to find replacements, really just got stuck with guys that I think were a, a little uh, you know, above They weren't water. ready for a coordinator positions at Texas with the expectation. Right. Exactly, and I, I think that's the biggest thing. I, I'm with you. I'm not really that concerned about it from what he's shown us early on, but that is still a, a concern. So we did the defense. Now we're going to do special teams here because we're going to wrap it up. We're not going to do a whole show on special teams. Okay. But, um, you know, that's when you my talk, specialty. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're definitely getting replaced <laughs> on this show next week. Uh, what, you know, when we talk about the special teams unit, this was the one thing that, you know, Despite all the positivity, this was a position that Mac Brown was very hard on in the offseason. He fired uh, special teams coordinator Scott Boone, brought in Javon DeWitt, and now, you know, there's still some uncertainties here. Noah Ruggles, Grayson Atkins going back and forth, battling at the kicker position. Of course, Atkins coming over from Furman as a transfer, had a really good FCS career. But, you know, from what we've heard from Mac Brown, still looking for some consistency out of both guys. Uh, I thought, you know, he got, he got so much, so much hell from people around the program last year, mainly the fans. I thought Ben Kiernan was good last year, especially yeah. as a true freshman. I think he's your guy, a punter. I don't think there's any question in my mind that he's your guy. Now, the depth behind him is questionable. Jonathan Kim is more than likely going to have to move over and be his backup, a punter, because you just don't have anybody else there. Um, and then the return game, still some concern there because Michael Carter last year really didn't thrive. And the punt returning, man, Daz Newsom took a huge step back from the year before. But, you know, at the same time, it still feels like Mac. Brown is encouraged by this team, and it's mainly because they've added more speed, which helps them with the coverage units, another area that they needed a lot of help with last year. It's very rare you see a special teams coordinator get fired after one year, which shows you the displeasure Mac Brown had with the coach and the way his position performed. Yeah. Because he was also the outside linebackers coach, and we don't think that was the problem. Right. We just discussed how successful they were. But, um, I mean, look, it was it, it, it's tough for, for Scott Boone coming in, too, especially when you've got a transition over. You've got you know guys that fit one system, guys that fit another system, so all different body types and everything. It, it was tough, but Javon DeWitt was a fantastic hire, I, I thought, right. for, for Carolina. And Mac was not very shy last year when Ruggles would miss kicks about getting on him publicly and he even trotted out Jonathan Kim I think it was it was it the game against Duke he did it in the game against Duke Jonathan Kim kicked one time and came up never, about three or four yards short and Noah Ruggles came and back it out. was it was very either wide to the right or wide to the left I don't now remember here's exactly. the thing about Jonathan Kim because I I people have to real Jonathan Kim was a fantastic kickoff man last year he was remember early in the year Michael Rubino the senior transfer from App State handed the kickoffs. When Jonathan Kim came in, that was part of the reason that the coverage units were so much better was because you were getting so many more touchbacks. Rubino was putting a lot of pressure on the guys to get down there and make tackles. So while Jonathan Kim didn't have the success kicking, he was very good in kickoffs right. this year. I just don't think that he's your long-term solution at kicker. It's got to be Ruggles or Atkins. To me, it's got to be Atkins. You went out. 
And I, I believe he's got to be a scholarship. Yeah, they guy. recruited him. Like recruited, right. and recruited him. He came over in the transfer portal from from Furman. This guy was an FCS All American. Yeah. This has got to be your guy. Like mm-hmm. at least from deep. That was what he his specialty was when he was at Furman. Believe it or not, he was a more accurate deep kicker than short kicker. So I think I've talked about it a lot this offseason. I think there's a good chance that you could see Ruggles handle short field goals and Atkins handle the longer field goals, Mm -hmm. but we need consistency from both. I'm not, you know, I think Ruggles will be fine because he was good from short range last year. I'm a little more concerned about Atkins because, well, frankly, I just don't know as much about him because I wasn't tuning in to Furman football games too often. But that's, that's a position they have got to get figured out, especially... If, and we hope, you know, we talked about this last week, we hope it's not going to happen. We feel a lot more confident this year, but if they struggle again in the red zone, they have got to have a kicker that can help them win games. They, they got they got to get better in the kicking game, but also, you know, if you're scoring touchdowns, you don't got to worry about it. They got to get better in the red zone. Right, right. You know, but right. uh, I think you mentioned something that I think we didn't really, ever, we might have ever looked last year. They've got to be more dynamic in the return game. With yeah. the kind of speed and talent they yeah. got with the guys that they're asking to return the football, I'm not. I mean, expecting touchdowns, stuff like that, is a lot to ask for. But those short fields can just change the game in so many different ways that you, you know, you just overlook when you lose the games. When you're having to go 70, 80 yards over and over again, it's hard to do. It, yeah. No matter how good you are offensively, so I think you need Michael Carter to get get you some more returns. You need Daz Newsom to return to the Daz Newsom from the year before in the return game to give Sam Howell and this offense shorter fields to change momentum and stuff like that. I think that's something that we just we we overlooked last. Year and if Carolina gets better at that part, how much different does it make this team? Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, we talked about you know Daz Newsom, Michael Carter. Well, there's a guy behind him that, believe it or not, I would not be shocked if he ends up taking over one of those roles. Josh Downs, we have heard a yeah. lot about him. We talked him about him a lot last week. There is a legitimate chance that he could start in one of these roles as a true freshman because he can fly. He did it when he was at the the uh the oh I blank every time the opening regionals. Mm-hmm. And, I mean he was the fastest man there in the Atlanta region, which you always have fast kids there. This guy is one to keep an eye on. And I'll tell you another one in the kicking game. There has not been a lot of people talking about him, but I remember watching him in high school, and he does have that breakaway speed. You watch out for Choffrey Brown to potentially make some noise on kick returns. Remember, they're looking for someone beside Michael Carter now Mm -hmm. that uh, Antonio Williams is gone. I think that could be Josh Downs or Chaffrey Brown, and that could help to sort of spark this team. If anything, it could motivate these other guys to say, look, you are not locked into this position. You have got to step up or else we're going to have to find other options here. Yeah, no. um, That'd be great to see because for Chaffrey Brown, that could be their way to get – other snaps, you know what I'm saying, right? Because I mean, we just don't think there's going to be a lot available on the offensive. Not side. this year, you know. I, I mean, that's the thing. He's, you know, he's got the he's got the short line speed. That's what you want to see. If mm. you can see him, or I should say, straight line speed. If if you can see him make a name for himself in the return game, remember. That's how Anthony Ratliff Williams became the guy that he became. Mm-hmm. That game against Louisville, he broke out as a as a kick returner. All of a sudden, we were like, man, we need to make this guy a little bit of a bigger part of the offense. Mm-hmm. And that's how he eventually became as big of a part as he did. So I think that's uh that's a guy that you should keep an eye on. He's not getting talked about enough, I think, 
But that's just from my perspective, but we'll see as the year goes along. Um, so I think that wraps it up for uh, our previews. We did the offense last week. If you guys want to go and check that out, you guys can. Uh, today, the defensive and special teams previews, and that wraps it up. So now we're going to move on. Next week, we will do our preview of the schedule. We're going to go through, look at the schedule. We'll give our official predictions for the year. Of course, the games that we're going to be keeping an eye on, Virginia Tech, that game against Notre Dame, those are the games that it could potentially come down to so make sure you tune in for that edition next week also make sure you head to the website a ton of great articles on there all those position groups that we just talked about we've got all of those articles up there for you guys to read it's a little more in depth there's guys that we didn't even talk about that are go that are in there that we talk about just in case they end up having an impact this season we'll also talk about the potential impacts they could have on special teams because well, we don't really go as in depth on the coverage units we're not really breaking down the 11 guys that are out there trying to make tackles on kickoffs as maybe some of the other podcasts are there are. Although I don't think that's a real feature edition of any is. podcast. Um, but make sure you guys go check that out on the website. Also, some really, really good stuff that you guys can check out in terms of recruiting. Of course, we tell you guys, Carolina, coming down the stretch of the 2021 cycle, there's four guys that the Tar Heels are really focusing on at this point. Unless there's going to be another offer that jumps in there, those are probably the four guys they'll be focusing on to close down this class before they head to the 22 class so make sure you go on the website read about that some other great articles on there as well and the other thing that we want you guys to do we've told you to do this before but now we're really getting into it we've got a gmail account make sure you subscribe to the website when you subscribe we'll get your email and then we are going to send out emails Every article will come into your inbox this time. I promise you that. I'm the one that's handling that. Now, you know, we got the Gmail account, so it'll be a heck of a lot easier. It's not going to be uh, like the last few times that we've been doing it here. So we're going to make sure that we get all that stuff in there for you. It's going to be a really good overall experience that you guys get all the news that you need as soon as you possibly can. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog podcast. want to thank you guys for watching. For those of you that are listening on the uh, on the Spreaker app, the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Go Tar Heels.